Hi, I'm Mike Sklenz, and this is Nintendo World Report's Connectivity Podcast, Episode 160, Fun Titled. Uh, we got two segments for you this week. First up is a discussion on the new Zelda Wii U footage, and then after that is a replay of our Nintendo News Report YouTube segment. Also, we are preparing to record our Best Smash Brothers Music segment soon, so if you've got a favorite track you want to submit, you can send it to connectivity at nintendoworldreport.com. Enjoy the episode. Hey, I'm Neil Ronahan from Nintendo World Report, here to talk to you about The Legend of Zelda on Wii U, or at least the footage that we saw at the Game Awards very recently. Um, with me to talk about that with you is John Raritan. Hello! Um, so I guess kind of the best place to start with this is looking back a little bit from what we first saw of The Legend of Zelda Wii U back at E3 2014, which, granted, wasn't that much, right? but... What Anuma was talking about, Eiji Anuma, uh, the, the Zelda uber producer, if you will. <laughs> the god of Zelda. Yes. Uh, he's He's been in that position since, I guess, Wind Waker. Uh, Majora's Mask, I think. Well, Majora's Mask he directed, but I think Wind Waker oh, was when sure. he like took over like he was the leader of the Zelda Right, team. right, right. Or maybe even after that, because, I mean, I guess going on a slight tangent, like Nintendo kind of broke up into their current group structure, I think right around early mid 2000s. I think when Awada came in. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Was when then, then they had like basically there was the Zelda team, there was EAD Tokyo, there was, you know, the like the Aguchi team and the Kano team and stuff like that. Mhm. But uh little little uh I mean, but we're actually <laughs> I'll tease it. Uh probably in the new year, we're going to be talking a whole lot about the Nintendo teams. Yes. That should be a good time. Um but back to Zelda. Uh what Anuma said in that E3 video was how he wanted to go back to the roots of the original Legend of Zelda and bring back that kind of open-world exploration idea that was there that got lost as they went to the 3D games. Mm-hmm. Even into uh, even into Link to the Past, that's already started to wind down. Yeah, yeah, because I would say Zelda 2 is probably the last one that is just like, I don't know, man, wander around, get lost. Exactly, yeah. Because definitely, I mean, the original Legend of Zelda, and I actually just recently played through all of the original Legend of Zelda bits in Ultimate NES Remix, which uh, I guess isn't a true representation, but it is like, I mean, it, it did kind of remind me of the the scope of that game, which was just kind of like, oh, here, like, go find your way around, good luck. Yeah, yeah, no, like, if you're lucky, you'll at least find the sword first. Yeah, I mean, I I always I still have trouble going back to that game, and I think it it might be a little bit because I didn't necessarily grow up with the original Legend of Zelda. Mm-hmm. But it's a game that like I can find where the first dungeon is, and then it starts to get real fuzzy. Yeah, yeah. Because I mean, there's not a lot of clues. Like it's a lot of aimless wandering. But and that's how it's. I mean, Miyamoto's talked about you know he wanted that game to be something where kids would talk about it with their friends and they would find out things together. Yeah. So. And it, I mean, it's funny in a way because I think that, that that style of game has kind of come to to popularity in recent memory with like roguelikes yeah, being like, a bigger deal in Minecraft and Dark Souls and yeah, all that. But now Nintendo's trying to bring it back to its roots. And the one thing that, from looking back at that E3 2014 footage, which is basically just Anuma talking and then them showing a really badass fight, <laughs> is. Anuma made the comment that the puzzle solving is going to begin in Legend of Zelda on Wii U the minute where you figure out where you want to go, mm-hmm. which I thought was really interesting because the, what they showed off at the Game Awards was just that. 
exploration-based puzzle solving. Yeah, like, how do, you, how do you feel about that in your Zelda game? I I think and love it. I mean, I it, it kind of, this feels like maybe what Anuma was trying to get to with Skyward Sword, but couldn't, just because of technical limitations. Because he talked a lot, uh, in that early on, he made comments about wanting the world itself to be a puzzle. Yeah. And Which, I mean, they, they attempted that, but I think they right. failed. And while I love Skyward oh, Sword, yeah, yeah. it's like, I mean, I, I reviewed Skyward Sword and I gave it a 10 out of 10. I would, I would give it a 10 out of 10 again. I, I adore that mm-hmm. game. But in what they set out to do, they didn't execute on it totally. No. Yeah, and that's, and I mean, I would say that some of that could go toward just system limitations. I mean, there's only so much you can do on the Wii. Yeah. But I think a little bit of it also was design because they wanted, I mean, the Wii, you could tell with a lot of Nintendo games from that era is that it's not like they're totally dumbed down, but they're meant to be more inviting because of the market that they wanted to appeal to. Yeah. Fortunately, with the Wii U, they're like, we lost that market. We had it. We don't have it anymore. The, The only market we have is Nintendo fans. So let's just do whatever they want. Yeah. Yep. And that's, I mean, keep on doing that. Give us Metro. Yeah, give us everything. Yeah, it works for me. Everything we want. <laughs> um, but, yeah, I, I mean, I'm very excited by the potential of having this big open-world exploration in a Zelda game, and especially with what they did in Link Between Worlds, which definitely seemed like kind of testing that feature to an extent. I, I want to see more of it because I think that could be really, really special. Mm-hmm. I, I want to go to the top of a cliff and look out over and then set a waypoint and then take my horse there. Yeah. That sounds wonderful. Yeah. Now, what, what do we think about, like, that that area that they showed off? I mean, it, it was very empty, but my my feeling with that is that it's probably more of, like, a demo slash vertical slice than it is, like, this is where the game's at totally. Oh, yeah. No, and I think, I mean, even from, like, a, from a technical standpoint, there were definitely some issues with bad texture mapping and things in that. Like yeah, it, which is why they showed it off screen. Right, right, uh, and then why we zoomed it in like jerks. Uh, yeah, yeah. Which I mean that I mean us being jerks is that also <laughs> when you zoom in on a screen like that, it does not look good. Yeah, we actually I guess some some little inside baseball. Uh, whenever we do record like you know Nintendo games or Wii U games and stuff at different events, uh, if we can get direct feed, then obviously all is fair game. But if it's on the TV, we have to include the player. Or else they get really mad, um, because then it like gives you that perspective. Whereas you could just zoom in on the TV and it would look like garbage. <laughs> uh, but yeah, so it uh, it looked empty, but it looked uh, varied. I was talking about this yeah. with one of my friends. Uh, one of the issues that I had uh, when Oblivion came out, the Elder Scrolls, what was that? Four. That was that was the one that was the one Elder Scrolls game that I got super super into. Okay, yeah, and I agree with you it's, with what you're what you're hinting. Yeah, at. it was every single area in there. You were either going over hills or in a canyon. There were no yep. just open spaces where you could get a feel for where you were. And from what I've seen of this, it looks like you're not just stuck in one sort of terrain. Um, yeah, it looks, I mean, it seemed it looks very I, like, varied. I would not be surprised if the area that we saw, like, I mean, that's that could be like the the intro part, so to speak, because it doesn't look like familiar and grass like. Mm-hmm. But when they zoomed out to the bigger map, which it looked like what we saw was, I don't know, maybe conservatively like a sixth or an eighth of the entire game, if that. I yeah, I did um, a a quick guesstimate um, just using the screenshot they showed of the really zoomed out map. And it looks yeah. like the distance between Link and the waypoint that Anuma set was about, like, you could set that waypoint about 11 or 12 times across the map. Holy crap. Oh, oh yeah. Man. It's going to be beautiful. Yeah. 
Um, but I wouldn't be surprised if, like, yeah, we saw that grassy area, but then there's, like, I mean, we, we saw hints of mountains in the background, which that could be, like, a Death Mountain-like area. Mm-hmm. Maybe there's an ice area. Mm-hmm. There's a whole lot of water on that map, too, that they showed when they when they showed the gamepad. Yeah. Um, and it looked like there might be some room for water traversal as well. I noticed um, one of the notes I made was that there are islands out in the water, yeah. and it yeah. looked like they had kind of, like, shallows and deep areas yep. laid out in there. Um, and so it looks like you can maybe get out to some of those islands. Yeah, yeah, because they showed, I mean, there's a very clear delineation between, like, here's the light water, which you would assume that you can either, like, go take a boat out or just swim yourself. And then there's, like, the darker water, which that's probably just the invisible edge of the map that you can't go past. Right. But, I mean, and even even inland, there's a lot of lakes and rivers mm-hmm. uh, all throughout, which, I mean, that could just be, you could have something like, like Hyulia mm-hmm. just kind of show up. Or you could have almost Wind Waker light exploration going across to those islands. Well, and when you when you look at even the lakes in in perspective to like how big that waypoint is that they set, huge. Those lakes are gigantic. There's plenty of room for water exploration just within the lakes, let alone the yeah. ocean. And I mean, given given the series history with stuff like like Hylia, um and any other time you used iron boots. Mm-hmm. Um, you could pro- that can, there could be a dungeon in there, and there will, and it will be annoying. Yep, probably. <laughs> I mean, that's that's the way water dungeons work. Yep. Some some other stuff that we saw, uh, the sailcloth showed up, which uh, that was in Skyward Sword. Uh, it's also kind of in Wind Waker, although I guess it's the least. Do you do you buy into the whole Legend of Zelda timeline at all? I'm not up to date on to where this is supposed to be rumored to take place. Yeah, I mean they haven't they haven't said anything. Um, yeah. They there's just been some speculation now since. Since Link seems to have the sailcloth, somebody pointed out that maybe it takes place, maybe it's a direct sequel to Skyward Sword. And the reason the world is so barren is because they haven't settled in it completely yet. Yeah, I think I've heard uh, what what the Zelda timeline people refer to as the Age of Prosperity. Yeah. Um, Which is, I guess, it's because what, it's Skyward Sword, and then I guess the next one after that is technically like Four Swords? Yeah, one of the ones nobody cares about. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> um, but it it's, like, yeah, it's, it's the the Vati line yeah. is is before then we go to the the three splits at least according to the official Nintendo timeline. Yeah, um, but I I think maybe not a direct sequel to Skyward Sword, but like kind of the next major game, the next major adventure after that, mm-hmm. because Skyward Sword does end uh, for anyone who hasn't played that yet. Spoilers. Um, it does end kind of like okay, now we're going to this new world and we're gonna figure out what to do. Yeah. Um, and I don't think we'll necessarily pick up being like, I don't know what to do, but it'll be like, <laughs> hey, we tried to figure out what to do, here's our attempt, now here's evil. Mm-hmm. And whether it's Demise, or maybe we'll see, I don't know, some kind of rebirth of Ganondorf or something, or I guess pre-birth, because technically yeah. Ganondorf wouldn't be around yet, but, well, but he's Demise. Demise Ganondorf, it's all, it's the incarnation of evil, yeah. or whatever, it's, yeah. yeah. Some new incarnation of evil yeah. will likely show up and, and wreck havoc. <laughs> Um, some of the villains that we saw, I mean, we just saw, it looked like Moblins or, or Bokoblins. I forget. Yeah. It's almost like it depends on the specific design. Yeah. I, I, I think Bokoblins might be the official I name. I think those are the small impish ones, yeah. Yeah. Um, and I, I'm cool with that. I mean, the combat, we didn't see too much of what it what it would be outside of being on a horse. Right. But it seems like that's what they're playing up a lot. I mean, even we saw the cool 
hopping off the horse and shooting the bow and arrow in midair. Who would have guessed that that early E3 footage of him shooting the arrow yeah. in slow motion was actually a complete giveaway of some of the combat? Yeah, yeah, no, I mean, I I was going back and watching that E3 2014 footage and being like, they just laid it all right. out. Yeah. Like, the Game Awards, nothing in the Game Awards trailer was really, like, any anything groundbreaking, right. because we already saw We just it. didn't realize that they were telling us that, yeah. yeah. Although the one thing that they haven't really, I guess, answered is when Link does do the cool launch off the horse and firing at that badass enemy in the in the uh, the E3 footage, mm-hmm. like the arrow kind of does something weird where like the head of it like becomes like a light arrow or something. I don't know. Yeah. But but maybe maybe the kind of hook of this will be something to do with maybe a bigger focus on the bow and arrow. Um, maybe there's some kind of legendary arrow. I don't or like know. Like some sort of customization you can do, like upgrades yeah. that you can buy and yeah. And that seems to be in line with what we've seen in recent Zelda games, the whole idea of upgrading your enemy or your, your weapons and items. Um, speaking of a little bit of weird customization and things, this is the only Zelda trailer that we've seen where they stink and just refuse to show Link in a green tunic. Yeah. Which I yeah. thought was I mean, weird. yeah, he's wearing the blue, the blue thing again. Um, and I kind of wonder if maybe they're just going to – I don't think they would abandon it completely, but I wonder – Maybe a large portion of this game takes place without it, or maybe he can wear other things or something like that. Or yeah, yeah. I mean, so far they, they've they, they've been pretty pretty consistent in showing that that blue outfit that he's wearing. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'm pretty sure it's a he as well. I know there was all that stuff at E3, which I think was just a lot of like mistranslation slash not like. Anuma kind of making, like, being, like, I don't know, we haven't said either way, and people being like, it's a girl. Right, yeah, I think Anuma was just kind of trying to make a joke, and everybody took it extremely seriously. Yeah. Yeah, yeah I mean, that was also the same E3 where Ubisoft said they couldn't animate women. Dude, it's so. hard. Telling you. <laughs> it's tough. <laughs> Them curves, like, uh, it's weird. Um, but it, se- it seems like the, the Link in this game will be a male. Um, but, yeah, the whole green tunic thing is a little weird. But it could also be, like, they... They want to hold that reveal for later yeah, on. Yeah, some something. the first big real trailer. Yeah, which I assume might not. Well, I don't know. It pretty much, it has to be at E3 this year. Yeah, I mean, it, like it'll it'll definitely be at E3, but will we see anything before then? Is the bigger question. Um, and I wouldn't be surprised if we see something. I mean, who would have thought they would have shown it off now? Right. I mean, if they were gonna show something, I would think they would show it. Probably before Christmas to try and get any extra Wii U sales they can. I mean, which they did. Sure. Yeah. I'm. I'm just thinking. Yeah. <laughs> I'm just thinking. Any additional trailers? I don't see yeah. them doing before E3 because what do they have to gain from it? Yeah, I wouldn't be surprised if there was like maybe there's a direct in February or March. Yeah. Where they, where they talk a little bit more about it. Maybe there's not a full trailer, or maybe our land Majora's Masks launched too. Yeah, and I mean they'll probably with because uh, the new 3ds will probably be coming out sometime in the first half of next year. So it could be uh, March 13th alongside Codename Steam. Who that knows? maybe yeah. So I mean I'm imagining I that'll be beginning of the year. That's what they'll talk about once everybody's bought their yeah. kids the original 3ds. Here's yeah. this new thing and you then can have. Will revolt. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Buy it for your kids. Go. <laughs> Um, so I'm trying to think of anything else from the trailer. I mean, we did hear Miyamoto talk about how there's uh, fruit, there insects in the world and fruits on trees mm-hmm. that you can apparently eat the fruit. I guess that's cool. And the insects, I imagine that will be, you know, a collectible thing sure. like we've seen in, in past games. He did talk, um, and maybe I'm reading way too much into this, but that's the whole point of doing trailer analysis. Exactly. So, uh, he, when they were going through that area with the trees, uh, the way he said it, he said, there was fruit go- growing here last time. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And so I sort of wonder if maybe there's some sort of, like, 
seasonal rotation or something going on? Like, Well, there's also, I mean, there is a day-night cycle. Definitely, yeah, yeah, yeah. Because I made the comment about, like, oh, it's sunset. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and then in the other, when they were going across the field, it was looked like noon. Like, it was very, very bright. So, yeah, I'm wondering if there's some sort of, like, time cycle thing going on. Um, and then there, we saw Minimal HUD as well, which I assume that that'll mostly be on the gamepad. Mm-hmm. Um, when you were off the horse, I don't think there was anything. Uh, and when you were on the horse, you just had the small, small thing in the right corner that, uh, looked like, uh... Like the action button and stuff. Yeah, yeah, like the A button to go, and it looked like, uh, the R button was used for weapons. Yeah. And the L stick was used for movement. Um, one little interface thing I did make note of, um, as I was obsessing over the map. Uh, on there, there are a couple logos. The one, there's one in like the bottom right corner that looks like it's probably an inventory. It just had like yeah. images of slots. Um, and then under the zoom in and zoom out button, there was another button uh, with some sort of icon that I couldn't really make out. But it it looked like maybe it had to do with like switching maps. And so I was wondering like there could be some sort of chart system. Light world, dark world. Or that. Or, or, yeah, yeah, yeah. or charts. Uh, yeah, but I was just wondering if there was like a chart system where, you know, you could find maps and then have to figure out where in this huge world that refers to, uh, sort of like Wind Waker. Yeah, I mean, I, I love that part of Wind Waker, especially re- revisiting it in Wind Waker HD. Mm-hmm. Um, that would be awesome if they had, like, treasure maps and stuff. And yeah. maybe, I mean, that could even be something that they go down the line of, like, here, we're going to share this map on Miiverse. Mm-hmm. Like, find out where it is. Sure. There's a special thing in the game. And that could really, I mean, almost extend the adventure because it would give you a reason to kind of explore that world more. Mm-hmm. I mean, this is, it's still going to be a Zelda game. We're still going to have a story. Sure. But maybe they can make it more of that persistent world that you kind of want to screw around in. Do you think, uh, I mean, like, Skyrim went the route of adding more of the world on on the other side of the water. Um, do you think they might do that in Zelda and do some some DLC? Oh, man, I don't know. Like, it... I think that the way that Nintendo's handling DLC has been, at least, I well, I mean, like, the Fire Emblem one was, was kind of crappy a little bit. Yeah. I mean, like, it was really cool, but it was, like, that typical, like, kind of nickel and diming yeah. for minimal extra content. Um, but what they've been doing with, like, Mario Kart and Hyrule Warriors and, and even Smash Brothers. Or New Super Luigi U. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, it seems like how they're doing DLC is kind of amazing. Yeah, they're giving you um, a lot of bang for your buck. Yeah, yeah. I mean, even Luigi U, I think, what was it, 20 bucks if you already had new Super Mario Brothers? You yeah. Know, you're getting an entire new adventure. Yeah, it's like a whole new game. I think it would really behoove them, and it seems like the way that they're trying to carry their minimal lineup, because, I mean, they don't have third-party support at this point, mm-hmm. it seems like the way that they're carrying that into the new year is by having DLC and Amiibo. Yeah, which is um, smart. Yeah, because Q1 uh, in 2015, it's still just you know, Kirby and now Codename Steam, but then they have Hyrule Warriors DLC hitting. Mm-hmm. There's going to be new Mario Kart tracks in May. There's going to be Amiibo coming out every couple months. Mm-hmm. And I think it would be very smart that, like, okay, let's say the Zelda game comes out next November, as as I would assume is when it would come out, if they're actually going to do this whole 2015 thing. Mm-hmm. Um, maybe we'll see, like, uh, oh, here's, like, uh, another island to explore, a, a, like a DLC pack coming yeah. out in May. Yeah, that would be a good way to deal with, you know, them since they don't have that third-party support, finding smaller ways to not make entirely new games, but to make the games they have last a lot longer. Yeah. And, uh, I mean, I guess other stuff with the Zelda Wii U footage that we've been looking at, uh, Miyamoto made a comment during it 
about how, oh, it looks like you're near a dungeon. Yes. Um, where there was, like, these two, like, rock outcroppings that looked like they had some kind of design on them that you can't really see because it's crap quality. <laughs> um, but it looks like they're building off of the concept in Skyward Sword, which I adored, where, you know, the dungeon doesn't just begin when you get into the dungeon. Like, there's, like, the kind of the dungeon begins when you get to the area. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Which was something that I thought was one of the strongest parts of Skyward Sword because it just kind of made everything very cohesive. Mm-hmm. Um, to the point where, like, I just remember that, that pirate ship dungeon that you went on. Like, oh, I didn't yeah. realize it was a full-fledged dungeon until I was halfway through yeah. it and got a boss key. And it was like, oh, wait. I've been in a dungeon this whole time, yeah. Yeah, everything just flowed so organically. Yeah. And I I really hope they continue that. <laughs> like, just kind of exploring the world and get lost in it. And then, oh, I'm fighting a, a final boss and I got a weapon and a piece of whatever mystical thing. Right. I'm looking to collect. Yeah. Link also, like, ganks a horse in this trailer, too. Yeah, I noticed that he just, like, <laughs> owns a horse that he's going by. Yeah. yeah. Which, like, it's the kind of thing, like, maybe it's, like, the, that Uncharted 4 footage that came out where, like, during it, it just, uh, clipping just broke and, oh, yeah. and Nathan Drake f- fell through the map. <laughs> maybe that was just this, but it's, like, that was live gameplay. Yeah. This was a pre-recorded thing. Maybe Anuma just has a really sick sense of humor. Yeah. Maybe Anuma's just, like, you know, we have a pun in the game, but I really hate horses. Yeah. Well, after having to program their AI for, I'm sure, a very long yeah. time, he probably does hate horses. Yeah, I mean, and, and the horses do look beautiful, mm-hmm. I have to say. And I, I like the idea that there's kind of wild horses out there yeah. as well. I mean, maybe... Maybe you'll get to pick your own horse. Yeah, maybe maybe you'll be able to, like, tame horses, or maybe those are... Maybe enemies will hop on those horses, yeah. and you'll have to fight on horseback. This can finally be the horseback combat that Twilight Princess almost was. Yeah, I mean, Twilight Princess was the biggest tease... Oh, yeah. It's like, here's something really cool. Uh, it's going to come back near the end, maybe. Yeah, there's, like, know. two spots in the game where you actually have to do it. The one other big thing I wanted to mention, uh, on the map itself, when they're zooming in and out, they're actually, there's the icon for Link, and there's the icon for his waypoint. Um, there are actually two other icons on the map that are resizing with those two icons. Ooh. Um, like, position markers, and I didn't notice it until, like, right before we started recording. <laughs> so, like, behind Link... There's one that looks like a maybe a building, like that's like a town or something. Yeah, maybe that's your like your home. Yeah, and maybe you can like warp there or something to save. I don't know. Mm-hmm. And then uh, just a little bit in front of Link, there is another kind of arrow type icon that looks similar to Link, and I'm maybe that's Epona. Yeah. Um. But then the other thing is, once he's actually walking up to Epona, um, as the camera pans around, you do get a quick glimpse kind of into the valley below. Uh, and it looks like there might be some sort of, like, house or something down there. Um, there are torches along the walkway. Yeah. Um, and that's really, besides those dungeon things, the only sign of civilization I can see in the entire yeah. map so far. I mean, maybe it's just, a, you know, it's an, an untapped land yeah. that they're kind of exploring. And people are just kind of spread out. Near the end of it, uh, when Link's just... when. Link's just kind of randomly roaming around as uh, Numa and Miyamoto are just like, ha ha, Star Fox, Majora's <laughs> Man, um, They do kind of show, like, what looks to be some sort of, like, giant gate in the background. Yeah, yeah. That maybe maybe that leads to, you know, some kind of stronghold or something. Because it doesn't look like there's, like, a castle there. Yeah. Um, but it, it looks like it's blocking off something. Mm-hmm. And I, I want to know what that something is. Yeah, there needs to be more footage of this game right now. I would even be, I'd, ha- I'd be happy if they just gave us, like, direct feed footage of what they had just played. Like, I just want to <laughs> see it better. Yeah. 
Um, that, that, I mean, that'll be, we'll probably have to go to Japan to get that. <laughs> I imagine that the, the Nintendo folks in America only have what they were given. Probably. <laughs> All right, well, uh, I think that just about does it for our deep dive into The Legend of Zelda on Wii U mm-hmm. with the footage that we've seen. Um, let us know what you think in the comments below, and maybe we'll do more of these for different trailers. I mean, there there is some new Mario Maker and Codename Steam footage, uh-huh. although the Codename Steam footage would just be like, man, I don't know, this looks crazy. <laughs> <laughs> like, like you're Abraham Lincoln, and like you're a you're a lion. Abraham Lincoln, and you're firing guns. The lion from Oz and Tom Sawyer. Yeah, like, what the? Okay, Japan. <laughs> yeah, pretty much. Whatever you say. Uh, yeah, maybe maybe we will have to talk about that. <laughs> Just like drink a lot before. <laughs> but yeah, let us know what you think. If you have any theories about Zelda on Wii U, we'd love to hear it. But thank you, thank you so much, yep. and talk to you all later. Bye. First episode of Nintendo News Report, a new live show made primarily for Nintendo World Report TV's YouTube channel. During the show, we discuss recent Nintendo news as well as this week's new releases, reviving that classic newscast spirit. I'm your host, oh, Alexander yeah. Kalafi, and I am joined by site director Neil Ronahan. Hi, everybody. As well as Connectivity Podcast Editor, Scott Thompson. Hello. We're going to see how this show turns out. Uh, we, got, we, got this, we got this cool structure. We got top story at the top of the show that we're, we're going to discuss the one big story that we're all dying to talk about. Then we got the new releases. There's a couple cool ones this week. And then at the end, we'll discuss the rest of the news, which has some cool ones. You'll want to stick around until the end because we have NPD discussion. That, sounds, that, that, sounds, that sounds like a show. So let's get started. Neil, I know you're so excited to talk about this. Amiibo Wave 2, show us what you got. Um, well, first off, I got, I got Little Mac right here. This is, this is today's purchase. Um, see, hi. So, <laughs> okay, no, I'll stop being an asshole. Um, so the whole amiibo thing is kind of uh, insane at this point. Uh, to be blunt, 
here's the skinny on wave two right now, uh, live field report. Um, half of wave two is delayed until the end of the month. Uh, originally, it looked like it was all going to come out like uh, this weekend, although Toys R Us and I think some other stores had a bunch of them out early. Uh, December 12th, which is tomorrow, was supposed to be the day when I think a lot of them were going to hit stores. I think some stores like Target were going to hold them for Sunday because that's when they have their weekly ads. And if they advertise something in the ads, they want to make sure they're actually there. Um, so right now, the only Wave 2 stuff that's in the stores in America right now, it's Zelda, Diddy Kong, and Little Mac. It looks like Luigi, Captain Falcon, and Pit were part of some sort of shipment delay, maybe? Or that might have been a rumor and not 100%. But those won't be coming out until it looks like after Christmas. I know uh, I've gone full hog into this dumb thing. And I even have online pre-orders at Best Buy and Toys R Us. And all of the ones... Uh, or I mean, not that I have multiple pre-orders for ones. But, but my pre-orders for Pit, Captain Falcon, and Luigi were all pushed back to December 30th. So... So I, I want to ask what the end game for Amiibo is, but first I kind of want to know what your end game is because there's uh, there's going to be up to fifty figures of this, including I'm not getting some Lucario. real rough ones. Are, are you okay? So that's, Lucario that's the is the line. line right He's now. the line. Uh, if uh, I might have talked about this on previous podcasts, in which I said there was no way in hell I'm going to get fucking Diddy Kong, but uh, what's up, everybody? I got Diddy Kong because <laughs> I went to a Toys R Us. There was Zelda. And I went to go buy the the Zelda, and they're like, "Oh, didn't you see Diddy Kong was there too?" And I'm just like, "Okay, I'll go get it." <laughs> Fun fact: I checked Best Buy's website this morning because I have a ten dollar credit, and I was considering using it to get an amiibo tomorrow. Diddy Kong was the only one of the three I saw up, and it was like that one, Little Mac, and Z- not Zelda. It's what was the third one? Either way, there Zelda's was Luigi, the... oh, okay. Luigi, uh, Little Mac. And then th- yeah, there you go. Actually, when I noticed even too with the online pre-orders, uh, I pre-ordered uh, two at Toys R Us. Toys R Us currently has a buy one get one forty percent off deal going on. If you want to take advantage of that, <laughs> uh, but I pre-ordered Little Mac and uh, Pit, and then immediately after I did that, when I went to go, I was going to like send the link to someone else, and the Little Mac page was taken down. Wow. Um, this right. is, I mean, this is really this is insanity. And the worst part about it is that all the statements we've gotten from Nintendo, which I have an editorial up on the site called The Disappointing Scarcity of Amiibo, in which I go into kind of full detail on all of this. But the worst thing about it is the comments from Nintendo kind of don't really give you a solid answer as to whether or not we'll see some of the hard-to-find ones ever again, like, you know, Mm -hmm. Marth, Villager, and Wii Fit Trainer. Why is Villager hard to find? Yeah, I mean, like, the Marth one... Top five Nintendo franchises, sales-wise. Yeah. Probably top five... But that's that's the worrying thing is that there's all these these threats of discontinuation and are like are we gonna see these figures again? Who knows at this point? And it's not even like oh you had like a month or two to buy them like you had a weekend, and if you didn't get Marth that weekend, you're pretty much shit out of luck. Yeah. Yeah. Oh my goodness, and I think this probably speaks to the greater problem of what Nintendo wants to do with Amiibo, because this, this like stock issue almost seems to speak to a greater issue, which is Nintendo isn't sure what it wants with Amiibo. It has like a lot of little ideas, and I consider Smash a little idea, even though it has a larger implementation. I mean, it was a, it was a last-minute idea. Like, we know right. that for sure. It seems like it exists for the sake of existing, and this stock issue only accentuates that, if anything. Yeah. 
I mean, like, like I think Sakurai even said it like that. It was like this year, Nintendo was like, "Hey, we want you to come up with a way to do this. Let's go." They had to use that NFC port for something. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I mean, but it seems. I mean, that's the thing that's so troublesome is that you have Disney Infinity and Skylanders who have like done this and done it successfully already, and it looks like Nintendo just like only tried to learn from themselves, which is kind of typical Nintendo in a way, but it looks like they saw Pokemon Rumble Blast and were like, oh, we'll just do that, but with a slightly bigger scale. It won't all be at GameStop. Um, and then the, the one kind of, the conclusion that I reached is that uh, Amiibo is only for one console, whereas Skylanders and Disney Infinity is for everything. Well, it's going to be for two consoles, and then it's also going to be more than figures, probably starting next year. Yeah. Which would make sense, because yeah. that's easier to, I guess, get out there and have shelf space. Right, they want as many people as possible to use that square port on the Wii U and eventually the 3DS. And playing cards are probably going to be the way to do it, which will mean Nintendo's going full circle. They're starting as a playing card company, and then they'll be doing playing cards as their latest thing starting next year. Yeah. Which is, I mean, it's just... Ugh. It's like kind of sad because this has just become like a, a crappy collector's market now. And because of all this stuff with like ones being hard to find, it's just going to drive up scalping and collectors more. And I'm very curious to see how the competitive market is affected by this. Because I was, as I was saying earlier, the fun fact that I never got to, uh, Diddy Kong was the only one sold out out of those three I saw this morning. And I think the reason is on Japanese tier lists, Diddy Kong is the highest ranked character in Smash Bros. <laughs> or at least maybe 4chan was lying, maybe he's secretly really terrible, but the last tier list I saw, Diddy Kong was at the very top of the Wii U uh, tier. I know, means... I played against some some very good Diddy Kong players, so I would right. believe that, that he is one of the best for oh, sure. I'm going to start playing against a very good Diddy Kong. He's uh, right here. What are you going to nickname him? I don't know. Kitty Kong, shitty Kong. Yeah. <laughs> um. Yeah, I don't know this whole amiibo thing. I guess the scarcity, at least for you know those those three that you mentioned, the Wii Fit Trainer, Marth, and then the Builder, doesn't really bother me because a like pretty much everyone I know who wants to collect these things got it the first weekend, and then b like these are kind of fringe characters. Like if someone is just going to get a Wii U like this Christmas or next year. I kind of don't feel like those are the characters they're worried about. So you should make more room for Luigi and Diddy Kong and more and Zelda even more kind of well-known characters, and then bring those back later if there's reason to bring them back. You know, if there's games they could use them. Then, um, then Nintendo needs to be upfront about that. I mean, that's the thing is that like you say that they could bring them back, but like we don't know that. Well, no, we don't know. But I've heard a lot of people say like, well, what about when? Fire Emblem, uh, you know, and Shin Megami Tensei comes out, you know, exactly. oh, but now no one's going to have Marth. But you got to believe, like, if that game is going to support Marth as an amiibo, they're going to reprint Marth because what, they're not going to make any money off of people just selling them for crazy amounts of money on eBay and stuff. Yeah. I mean, they want to have it out on shelves because they know people will buy it then. So I think I think there's a, a rhyme and a reason to this. It, it, it doesn't really bother me, I guess. Everyone who collects these things, like, I mean, I guess I don't know a lot of people who are crazy for collecting, but Neil, you have the whole first wave, don't you? Yeah, uh, you know why? Because I haven't been taking a lunch 
to relax. <laughs> like, I mean, that's the thing is that, like, really, like, I probably wouldn't have Marth if I didn't go to like five fucking stores last week or the other week. Like, I mean, that's the yeah. thing. It's like, it's not like it was just like, oh, I went to a Toys R Us and they were all there. It's like, no, like, I went to, I wrote a feature about how I went to like seven stores. I had to order the Marth online and pick it up at a Target that was out of the way on my way. Yeah. And it sounds like most stores would probably order Marth by accident, thinking they would be ordering the entire first wave of Amiibos just because it's Nintendo, while a lot of other stores did what was probably the smarter thing and just not getting Marth at all. Like, I'm, you can't really well, blame a lot of retailers for not getting the Marth one in. I think some of it might be, and, and this is... I don't know that much about toy shipments, but it's like you'll have a box or a case in which there will be like, let's say there's like, you know, like 10 Mario's, 10 links, five villagers and five Marths or something, or maybe mm. it's even smaller numbers than that. But that's kind of what you're dealing with more. And I think it's when you get to reordering, if that's even possible, which once again, we don't know like that. All the Marths that were made, they could have already been made. Word. All right. That's good. Uh, let's move on to new releases. We got another thing Neil is excited to talk about. Zeo Drifter. Yeah, uh, so Zeo Drifter is the new game from the Mutant Muds developer, Renegade Kid. It is a Metroidvania-style game. I guess maybe just more Metroid-style game. It's very much old-school, like, 8-bit Metroid influence. Um, and it's very fun. It's a little on the short side. It's very challenging. But the, I guess the, there's the one bad thing about it is that there's just the same damn boss over and over again. And they add different things to it that kind of go in line with the power-ups and abilities that you get. Since it is a Metroid-like game, you get different power-ups. Like, one of them is you turn into a submarine and can go in water. And one of them, uh, you can shift from one dimension to the other as in, like, uh, like stereoscopic 3D layers. Um, and those are all fun and everything, and it's great moving around that world and exploring... And it's a little bit brutal, but that kind of makes it makes it fun. And in, I, I know this this will speak to what you love, Alex, but almost like in that, that Dark Souls kind of way where it's like, all right, I could stay here, but I want to get over there, but I might die. Uh, fuck it, I'm going to do it anyway. So, so there's <laughs> a lot of repetitive death, but death where you gain a little bit every single time. Yeah. Right. Well, That's well, no, not yeah. as in like you like gain levels or anything, but, but I mean gain, like you, you know gain the a personal placement. experience. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> right, right. The uh, it's. It's not necessarily always tangible experience you get in Dark Souls, because sometimes in Dark Souls, you lose everything. But <laughs> sometimes you also end up learning, like, okay, I know this enemy's right here. I know this is where I can post up to glitch the system a little bit and see where everything... It's, that, that's good to hear. Uh, I have a question that's semi-related to Zeo Drifter, but more related to Renegade Kid. Where is Treasure Knots? Um, it's coming next, I think. Okay. Uh, the official story with that, I guess, uh, and this is... I haven't really talked to Jules personally about this, but from picking up on Twitter and different things. Um, so he was working on Treasure Knots, and I think development on that got kind of halted because then he started working on the Colt County Kickstarter, mm. and that bombed. And yeah. I think he was really sad, as one would be when your Kickstarter fails. Um, and then he, out of that, he started working on a kind of more simplistic Metroidvania idea because he just wanted to make he wanted to make a game. Um, and then he started working on Zero Drifter and kind of scoped it out and realized that he could finish it before the end of the year, whereas Treasure Knots, because Treasure Knots' scope had expanded, uh, that would still take more time. So 
I think Treasure Knots is still it's probably Treasure Knots is probably in like full development now. Um, because I mean, Zero Drifter's out, and I know Moon Chronicles, the remaining episodes of that, uh, all got submitted to Nintendo, and that should probably be out maybe early January or something. Um, okay. He's probably working on Treasure Knots right. He could be working on it as we speak. <laughs> okay, I don't know, maybe. But I think Treasure Knots, uh, the current time frame is probably, I don't know, like sometime early next year. But that the time change. frame they originally planned on for this year. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> But I mean, so, I mean that's a, I mean what happened with with Treasure Knots is that the scope expanded. It was originally supposed to be a smaller game, um, and then as time went on, they kind of wanted to add more to it because it was going to be a game where you died once and you had to start over, and then it kind of changed to be a little bit more than that, which made, you know, it changed the design of the the, the concept of the game. It was fun. I'm looking forward to it. Uh, how much is yeah. Zeo Drifter? It is nine ninety nine, which. I think is a fine price, at least from the time that I put into it. I put in about three, three and a half hours. Got, I didn't get to one hundred percent completion, but I think it was at like ninety two or something. Um, and it, it's a fun little game. Like I, I really like the ideas of it. Uh, it totally could have stood being a little bit longer, but at the same time, if I had to fight that stupid boss one more time, I probably <laughs> would have been way more negative on the game. Yeah, you should be thankful it ended when it did, I guess. Yeah, you fight the boss seven different times. <laughs> I'll probably get that during a sale. Like, uh, 50% off is probably what I'll stick yeah. out for. But it's cool. I'm glad it's a good game. Phoenix yeah. Wright Trilogy is the other game we're talking about this week. Uh, when I, in, that, in that sweet, sweet future where I have free time, totally getting this because I, I want to replay the Phoenix Wright games real bad. That's like It's like 60 hours of gameplay easily, if not closer to 70 or 80. I mean, I, I've beaten I've beaten the first two. So, but then again, that was so long ago that I couldn't really tell you what happened. Right. The uh, so the way this series works is the reason they're releasing it as a trilogy is, as I'm sure you know, the story is one arc from the first game to the third game. There is there is stuff in the third game that resolves stuff that happened in the second and first game, and they're all standalone games. They can all stand on their own. But it's one main story, which is good here. I they have completely forgotten Apollo Justice outside of the new game, though. <laughs> yeah, that, that, that's getting nothing. Well, because he was in. I mean, he he had a role in Dual Destinies, right? The fifth one. Right. He's one of the two main playable characters alongside Phoenix, and then uh, Athena, I think her name is, also gets a case of her own, maybe. But yeah, it's uh, it's cool. Remastered visuals, 3D diorama effect. It's a straight collection of the OG trilogy. So. There, there you go. It's thirty bucks, probably. I, I think thirty bucks. That's yeah, reasonable. Twenty nine ninety nine, and you can read a review uh, of it up on the site by Andy Gergen. I think he gave it an eight point five. Nice. Right, and Thank also con- consider uh, how these games used to be. Now, granted, they've been reprinted, and you can get them for like twenty bucks each on Amazon nowadays. But when these games came out in like two thousand five, two thousand seven, or whenever. Copies of these games were fetching fifty, sixty, seventy dollars at their home. Yeah, I actually I bought it for I bought the original for fifteen dollars at a GameStop, played through it, lent it to a friend, saw how much it was going for online, and sold it for forty. <laughs> so, I mean, at this point, I guess I kind of owe Capcom about thirty bucks because that's how much money I made off of buying the first one. <laughs> <laughs> Those are amazing games. I, that trilogy is absolutely incredible, and especially the third game. Don't start with it. Work your way up to it because the first yeah. two games are really great too. But the third game, like, I'm pretty sure James uh, from RFN listed as one of his greats, 
and well-deserved. It is the best game in that series. All right, moving on to news. The first one is about the Game Awards from 2014. We just did a live podcast of that the other day, Neil, I, and Brian Rose, and it's been doing pretty well. Watch it if you want. Uh, so it did about 2 million viewers, more than 75% increase over the number of people that watched the finale to the Video Game Awards on Spike TV. The viewers watched an average of 28 minutes of the show. Of the 4,000 or so available seats in the venue, 3,000 were filled. About half of those were paid for $45 tickets. Uh, the rest were industry members. And But more importantly, more interestingly, Kaylee didn't make money on the show, but he always knew it would be an investment. That's yeah. fair enough. And um, I, I think he's very successful. It, he says he's not sure on the details of next year's show, but one mill will, uh, excuse me, most likely take place, which is good because I'm the more I think about it, the happier I am with the it way the game It was a really enjoyable out. show. Even, I mean, there were definitely some parts of it that were dumb and laughable, and it was kind of funny that it took them, like, 40 minutes to get to even one award. And I started, <laughs> and then, like, the one time where, like, Keely just finds Reggie off stage, and it's just like, yeah, man, you guys are best developer of the year. <laughs> but show this codename code Steam trailer. Let's go. Um, I mean, like, there were definitely things like that were goofy, but, like, I just enjoyed watching it and enjoying watching it sometimes was making a little fun of it, but it was, it was an enjoyable thing to watch. And that's even with that, like if the Zelda footage wasn't there, I still would have enjoyed, I still would not have been mad that I, that I watched the whole thing. I, I think yeah, I, th- I thought it was yeah. pretty good. Like it, it definitely wasn't as pandering as like the past uh, video game award shows have been. Yeah. I thought it was pretty solid throughout. And I don't know if this speaks to like, sort of the quality and prestige of this show versus past ones, or just to Nintendo kind of getting into gear. But having that Zelda trailer there was such a huge surprise and so, so amazing. And yeah, I don't know if that... I mean, to think that they went from like, oh, Cranky Kong's playable in Donkey Kong to, oh, here's like an extended look at the next Zelda game. And oh yeah, we're going to just kind of drop in that Star Fox is coming too. Uh, And Majora's Mask will come out before it as well. I mean, that that was huge. Um... Yeah, it was just it was cool. It was it was a good show overall. I agree. It was like didn't couldn't tell if it wanted to be like an award show or like E three, like let's just show a bunch of trailers, but you know, whatever. It was fun. Yeah, I mean I don't think it like because I, I think you don't really want to call that anything else but the game awards, but it is at a point where like that that tells a third, maybe half of the story, if that. But like is that really a bad thing? I don't think just a straight like hour long award show would be fun at all. No, I, I think Jeff Cayley had his heart in the right place here. He knows that people like award shows and that we like something that pays respect to the video game industry on a larger scale. But he knows that one of the great things about these award shows are the cool reveals that happen. Because if you remember, uh, last year's VGX, outside of all the stuff people complained about that was justifiable and had to do with the content, people were uh, kind of upset, including me, that the only real new reveals were No Man's Sky, which that's yeah. a whole that's a whole discussion that's for another Telltale day. games. And two Telltale games, Game of Thrones and Borderlands, which just released. Yeah. So now and they Game, have Game a of Thrones more. Episode 1. It's pretty fun. Do you like the show? Uh, I, I've warmed the show. Uh, Lauren's super, super into the show. So I finally relented last season and it started enjoying it. Okay, because this picks up after like one of the biggest spoilers in the series. Oh, yeah, yeah. 
yeah, you need to watch the first three seasons before you start um, right. this this series. So yeah, it's it seems like he took the award stuff. Maybe there should have been more awards and a little less commercials. Maybe. He even admitted that in that that press release that came out. He said like, yeah, maybe maybe we should have had more focus on the awards. Right. But his heart was in the right place. He's trying, and I, I think the more stuff he does, the more I, I kind of dig Jeff Keeley. Like just just as a person, yeah. like. Even though, yes, he sometimes he can come across as a bit of a shill, he's doing his best. He's doing his best to be the representative of video games in the mainstream industry. And the, excuse me, the mainstream society in general. Yeah. He's like, in a lot of ways, the representative of video games. He's the Ryan Seacrest of video games. <laughs> right. That's actually pretty spot on. <laughs> so, I think I've heard that before, but it just makes sense. Yeah. Like um, so let's get on to the biggest news of the week. Well, actually... Theater Rhythm Dragon Quest. Okay. March 26, 2015 in Japan. A Dragon Quest music, of course. No word on a release outside of Japan, and it is playable at the Jump Festa 15 in Japan on December 20th and 21st. I wish this was Pokemon, but it, it was going to be Dragon Quest. It was always yeah. going to be Dragon no, Quest. I'm, I mean, definitely... I don't really know if a theater rhythm game outside of Final Fantasy will ever really be that amazing, but I'm willing to give this game a shot. Um, and at this point, I'll probably get it regardless of whether or not it comes out in America, because I have a Japanese 3DS. Well, um, you know, I don't know you know. if I will just rock a demo. It'll kind of depend on what I'm doing on March 26th, if I've drank it all, um, if I have <laughs> like 40 bucks to spend. Um, <laughs> That's that's what it's going to come down to, whether or not I get that on the Japanese system or wait for the maybe U.S. release, which I would actually kind of cast a line of doubt at. I give it about 60% odds of hitting the U.S. Yeah, about 60%. Right. I think it'll come. You know, like, when I first heard this announcement, I was like, oh, well, this isn't really that exciting. Like, I've played a handful of Dragon Quest games, but I don't have an affinity for the music like I do for Final Fantasy. But going through both uh, Theater Rhythm games... I mean, there. You know, I haven't really played many of the like later Final Fantasy games, but it still gave me a big appreciation for the music throughout. So oh, yeah. I think I'll still pick this up. There won't be as many songs I know off the bat, but just playing for a little bit, I think I'll come to appreciate like all the great music that I'm sure uh, is in these games. So I'm ready to. I, I'll. I'm totally gonna jump on board if it comes to the U.S. And I'm just gonna keep my fingers crossed for a Chrono uh, Theater Rhythm. <laughs> that's that's what I'm holding up for. So. All right. So. All right, so I'll ask you guys this question. I've said many times that I would love a Pokemon theater rhythm. Neil, if you had to have a theater rhythm based on any franchise, what would it be? Zelda. Scott? Well, like I said, the, the Chrono series for sure, but if, we're, if, we, if it can be something that's not square. Anything, anything ever. It doesn't even have to be a Nintendo system. Just, just get creative. Get creative right on the spot. No, I, you know, I... Chrono for sure, and then I, you know, I would almost love them just to do like Theater Rhythm Nintendo. It doesn't even have yeah, to be. Yeah, I was gonna say Theater Rhythm series. Smash Brothers. Yeah, exactly. Like do something like, like have that. Have you heard just... that fucking music in the Wii U game? It's incredible. <laughs> it's so good. Yeah, I, I would, I would be down for just like a, just a bunch of great Nintendo tracks. For sure. Word. And our final story of the night: the NPDs just came out. This is hot news. We almost probably should have led with it, but you know what? We're sticking it at the end. <laughs> Smash Bros. Wii U and 3DS lands at number 3 of the NPD Top 10. Uh, Pokemon Alpha Sapphire is number 5, Ruby's number 7. I'm a little surprised Alpha Sapphire beat Ruby because I, I assumed Ruby would be the cooler one, 
but no word on 3DS. Is it is 3DS okay, Neil? You you seemed a no. little uh, heated. No, it is not. <laughs> um, I'll say that emphatically. Uh, so there's a little rule of thumb with these press releases that companies release. I think probably the best example, well, I guess the best overall example is how for all those months when Microsoft would be like, Xbox One is the number two console in America and not actually give numbers. Yeah. When like, basically, like, if you get all the data, then that company is proud of what they're doing. Mm-hmm. Uh, like and and even like with the Wii U, like uh, I think we found out it was a ten percent boost from last year, which that's positive. We didn't get the exact number, and that's because the exact number is still kind of underwhelming. Uh, it looks like Wii U did about two forty, uh, two hundred forty thousand in November. However, I think the week after Smash Brothers came out was the best sales week for the system since launch. I would so that's good. good. But then on the other hand, both PS4 and Xbox One. Uh, did around a million each. So <laughs> still, I think at this point, uh, Xbox One is assuredly outsold the Wii U. I would. Um, considering yeah. that it sold more than a million uh, in November. Right, XX, I, I was telling you this before the show, but Xbox totally earned this month, just marking the system down $70 and then yeah, putting the game in the packages. It, it, you know what? It, it had a mission even more so than Sony, and it accomplished it. Yeah. Um, and I, I see a lot of people kind of being like, oh, it's going to hurt him in the long run. And I kind of disagree. Uh, I also don't think you're going to see that console go back up in price. But this is a Nintendo show. So I was using that <laughs> okay. uh, Xbox One as an example. Also, let's, uh, let's talk about the 2DS for a second as another, another example of withholding information. Uh, so 2DS was announced. It was great. Like, this is for kids. It's going to be awesome. Then we never heard how the 2DS sold specifically. We heard 3DS sales, but then like when the 3DS XL came out, all the press releases would be like, and 30% of the sales were 3DS XL. We're really happy with that. Um, You didn't hear anything about 2DS sales because it was disappointing. So ergo, when you don't hear about 3DS sales in one of the most important months of the year, then it's probably time to start worrying. And actually time to start worrying was like a year ago. 3DS hardware sales are awful. No, everyone's holding out for that new 3DS. It didn't. I don't even. It, no, honestly, that's not true. To both it's of you guys, do you think that'll move the needle at all? Like, I mean, may, maybe it'll stabilize it, but like right now, 3DS 3DS peaked. 3DS peaked a year ago. It maybe depends. It depends how they sell it. If they sell it alongside Majora's Mask and they do a good job of selling it, I think it could do pretty well at, at least at first before it ends up going this way. But yeah. <laughs> It's, and it seemed like yeah. it seemed like Japan had a good like maybe it was like a month long where they kind of had boosted sales from the new 3DS and then it kind of tapered off. And I have a feeling that's how it's going to be worldwide. And I think in a way Nintendo shot themselves in the foot by announcing new 3DS in one region and then not having it come out anywhere else. I mean it came out in Australia and New Zealand. Um but not having it come out in North America and Europe means that the savvy buyer is going to be like, well, you know what, I'll just wait for the new one next year. I, I right. have a lot, and granted, you know, anecdotal evidence can sometimes be misleading and dumb. Um, I have a ton of friends around my age that were all like, all right, I'm finally going to get a 3DS for Smash Brothers. Oh, there's a new one out next year, I'll just wait for that. Yep. Right, which is, that could be the biggest reason why the 3DS isn't doing so well right now, outside of not having 
that much compelling software. Actually, no, that's yeah. even a lie because it has Pokemon, which did like 1.5 million units, and Smash Bros, which is still doing pretty hot. So I, I don't think, even think that's the problem. I think 3DS has has sold to just about everyone who wants one. Uh, you have you know a couple people withholding, but I think what Nintendo needs to do is keep on getting saps like us to buy the system over and over again, <laughs> which is what they're going to do with the new 3DS. Because really, I mean, they've they've tapped out that market, and they've kind of they're sort of doing the same thing with Wii U. Although I think Wii U has a lot more upward motion potential, just by sheer fact that it hasn't been doing well at all. Um, <laughs> Nowhere else to go. Uh, like, I mean, like Wii U, slowly but surely, is is existing. Um, it's not not blowing the doors off of everything, but like Smash Brothers sold really well. I think it was, well, well, it was combined Wii U and 3DS, but I think it was the third game in November, which that's that's awesome. But at the same time, I mean, Wii U sales are still kind of a bummer, but the games are selling. I think I think the the percentage thing from the the press release was that like game sales have increased. What's it? Seventy percent, eighty percent, something like that. There's a comparison to make between the Wii U and the Vita here, and I'm not saying that in a negative way. I'm saying that in a very positive way, in the sense that right now the Wii U is not selling any units, and the Vita is literally not selling any units. But <laughs> the Vita's software attach rate is amazing. Like yeah, people who own crazy. Vitas buy video games on it all the time, even the ones who've had it since launch. I buy a Vita game like every month or two, uh, it's thanks to sales, and then I bought Freedom Wars a little while ago. The attach rate is fantastic, and I think that's the future for the Wii U as well. People will still keep selling the Wii U, and it'll do well. It might even do very well once uh, to Animal Crossing and uh, Zelda come out, but yeah. I think the Wii U's success is going to be in its software sales, not its hardware sales. Yeah, and while I, while I think Wii U will never have the same kind of indie support that Vita does, I mean, I think that Vita benefits a lot from kind of piggybacking on PS3 and PS4 as well. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't think Wii U will ever have that kind of indie support, but it will have indie support, and it does have indie support. And also, you're going to have a much better first-party lineup coming to Wii U, as opposed to Vita, which... Does Sony still make games for Vita? Actually, well, they're a lot of this is going is partnerships. Like they're putting out revelations next year, and they got a lot of indie games. But there is a few uh, Japanese to America translations and stuff. Like there's some. I, it might be called Orishika or something. It's there's some game coming out next year, which is an RPG. There's another one coming out, and then like they're doing things like Disney Infinity. That's getting the Vita port. But the answer is no. <laughs> that, 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 felt, that felt a lot like like a like a girl telling her friend like she needs to break up with her boyfriend and, and she's like well, no there's a lot of great things about him you don't yeah. see like, i mean uh, he did put out that one resistance game and like tearaway was pretty cool i guess <laughs> yeah well, yeah where's resistance good. burning skies too uh, <laughs> nowhere actually here, here's a fun fact about the vita sony bend as far as i know did just put up a posting Working on a uh, another AAA Vita title, which is probably Uncharted Gold. What do you think Retro is up to? <laughs> <laughs> Put Retro on anything. Put it on Crash Bandicoot. Um, if if you guys want the most important sales data from this month, a uh, friend of the show, Donald Terrio, chimed in to say that uh, Sonic Boom on Wii U did about twenty five thousand copies, and the 3DS did worse than that. Uh, that well version. So there you go. So I was kind of supposed to save the Wii U and 3DS. I think we can place all blame there. So. Yeah, um, I think if Nintendo gave Sega any money for that, they're probably like, what were we thinking? Yeah, that like exclusive three-game deal kind of didn't work out. Yeah. Also, Racing was good. Um, 
Yeah, but that wasn't part of the three-game That deal. wasn't part of the deal, right? Yeah. What games were? But that racing... Well, I mean, for the four people who watched me do the live stream when the Wii U came <laughs> out... Um, Sonic Sonic uh Sonic Racing on Wii U was hilariously broken when it first came out. Like there were a bunch of like cool multiplayer modes and you just entered them and you just fall through the ground. <laughs> and like then it would be like player three won and be like, what happened? I don't know. They fixed it though. <laughs> if you haven't played that game, you should play it. Uh but the three games were Sonic Lost World, uh Sonic Boom. And then and, the uh, Mario and Sonic. Yeah. Oh god, Mario and Sonic, yeah. Wow, so I reviewed Sonic Lost World might have actually, yeah, Sonic Lost World was the best game out of the three. Oh yeah, for sure, because I reviewed I two it. of those three games, and they were, and I reviewed the the 3DS uh, Sonic Boom game, and then uh, Mario and Sonic at the Olympics, and those were both terrible. So, <laughs> wow, I All missed right, that. And then, and then the final point before we close out the show: the sales of Amiibo are approximately equal to the sales of Super Smash Bros. for Wii U so far, while Link, Mario, and Pikachu, in that order, have been the best-selling figures to date. And I just want to say, I thought that order would have been reversed. Like, entirely, as in Pikachu outsells Mario, outsells Link. But apparently, Link as a character has a bigger fan base than Mario. And <laughs> there's, that, there's that fabled Marth no one can find. Um <laughs> You know, I'm not. I'm not surprised. Like, I I think Link has a lot of cachet, and I think the Zelda franchise does too. And I think the reason we don't realize it as much is just because Nintendo's a little more careful with Zelda, and and don't usually release games quite as often. I know, like, um, you know, we're getting uh, <laughs> distracted by these amiibo dancing. Um, <laughs> you know, like we had Link, Link Between Worlds, and now we're getting the Majora's Mask uh, remake, and then we'll have the new Zelda Wii U game. But but for the most part, it's not quite like on the level of something like Mario or even Pokemon. So. I think we just don't realize how beloved that franchise is because it's just not quite out as uh, out and open as much as those others. But yeah. And then selling as much as Smash Bros. That that should mean that there's an attach rate of about one per person, but it really means there's an attach rate of eight for about a third of the audience of Smash Bros. <laughs> well, I was gonna say when you re- yeah when you release all those amiibo and then you're saying oh it's selling as many as Smash Bros. That just means that like yeah a fraction of the Smash Bros. audience bought all of them like our friend <laughs> Neil Rottenham here. Uh, well, that reminds me, Alex, have you bought any Amiibo? I so I bought Smash Bros. like last week. It's still sealed because I haven't. I'm not home yet. But I also bought the Pikachu one with it, just okay. just because I wanted some Amiibo and they didn't have the villager. Pikachu seemed like the right option. But it's, well, yeah, see, that's how yeah. I went. Like I, I just got Yoshi because Yoshi's my favorite, and like I, I knew I'd want to have that one just on my shelf when I'm not using it. And that's that's like where I'm at right now. Like I, I don't need any more Amiibo until I know that like there's a game that's going to really use them. That's not an Amiibo. Get that garbage out of here. <laughs> and that's our show. Thank you so much for watching the first installment of Nintendo News Report, and be sure to tell us everything you liked and or disliked about the show. It's in the very early stages. We want to see how it does, and your feedback would be very much appreciated. I want to thank Neil and Scott for joining me. They can be found on Twitter at Enron10, N-R-O-N, the number 10, as well as at OKSoda in Scott's case, OK in the word soda. I can be found at at C-U-L-A-F-I-A, Kulafia. Thank you so much for watching. Bye-bye. Alex, Alex, I just want to say that I have a feeling that if this camera, your camera went down a little bit, that that room you're in would look a lot like a room from Saw. That's just why. I just you know what? It, it absolutely like does. <laughs> it's it's this is Wait, are we still straight recording? up dungeon. Good. Yeah, we're we're straight up recording. <laughs> Who wants to There's see my victims? There? Is that a dead body? Yeah. If, Not like, yet. Yeah. <laughs> um, <laughs> all right, that'll yeah, be all. Okay. Yeah, bye. Check stuff uh, out on the site. We're gonna have our game of the year stuff up probably uh, this time next week. 
All go. right. Bye. 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 Thanks for listening, and I hope you enjoyed this week's episode. Don't forget you can send your listener mail questions to connectivity at nintendoworldreport.com, and we would love it if you rate and review the show on iTunes. It really helps get the word out. Also, we will be recording our Best Smash Brothers Music segment soon, so please submit your suggestions for best tracks from Smash Brothers games uh, to connectivity at nintendoworldreport.com. And don't forget to tune in to the next Nintendo News cast on YouTube on next Thursday.